Welcome to Solving Temporary Staffing Problems, the only podcast which helps you create winning MSP VMS programs that are efficient, comprehensive, and save you millions. Learn to enhance your current VMS MSP program or simply build your own with the absolute authorities in temporary staffing. Another episode of Solving Temporary Staffing Problems. I'm Brianna Strobel. And I'm Jean-Paul Renard. And today we're going to be talking about filling your temp orders. This is a strategy for uh, distributing between suppliers. So first of all, how are you today, JP? Brianna, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing with this whole social distancing thing? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I got my plants keeping me company. (laughs) that's great i may or may not have started talking to them (laughs) well the question is are they talking back (laughs) (laughs) that's for me to know and you to not know (laughs) so this is a really good topic um we went over it briefly but why don't you go ahead and define exactly what we mean yeah 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 i think it's a really important uh, topic to talk about because we get a lot of questions around supplier distribution and strategies and Obviously, the, the goal is to fill as many orders as possible, to have a high fill rate uh, when, when your demand is, is asking for it. So let's define this a little bit. This is basically your distribution or manufacturing or transportation place, and you're, you're needing of a lot of workers typically. So let's say you know, you're ordering you know, 50 people and you're working with multiple suppliers. Um, so how do you potentially push out the order to those suppliers to get all those 50 orders filled properly within the period of time that you need to fill them, right? So there are strategies around how to accomplish that, and we really want to focus on how to get that done effectively. So let's talk about avoidance first, okay? So does that make sense so far in the definition? Yeah, makes sense. So now we're going to talk about what to avoid and kind of like mistakes you commonly see, right? Right. Okay. So kind of the avoidance that we really... Um, how do you say avoidance that you want to avoid? No, <laughs> that's <was> good, right? <laughs> what you want to avoid? The kind of like practices you want yeah, to avoid. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> so there is this this instinct to potentially take a bunch of orders. Let's say you again using that same uh, idea of I have fifty orders. I have three suppliers that I work with that I want to fill these orders. I'm going to call each supplier and let them know I need fifty. Right, it sounds like common sense, right? And whoever can get me the most people, I'm going to potentially hit my mark by you know getting the 50, and I'm gonna because I'm having these three suppliers kind of do a whole battle royale. But there's uh, you want to avoid that at all costs, right? So there's three major reasons why. So one is you're going to build a lack of loyalty from the supplier base. So you you really want to avoid that certainly because if suppliers are providing you more labor than what you needed, in other words. You said you needed 50, and now what if all three suppliers provided you the 50? Because you said, hey, I need 50, right? Now 150 people show up, and now you're you're turning people away. The supplier is going to be very unhappy with you, right? Because they did a lot of work in order to identify because you told them you needed 50, right? So you want to avoid uh, yeah. doing that, right? So again, it's one is the lack of loyalty that you build. Two, this will become very expensive for you. That strategy will, will translate in a bigger cost to you as a customer because the supplier is now, if you told them I needed 50 and they in fact provided you 50, but
but you said you got too much and you only took 20 of their of the 50 that they provided, it cost them money to recruit those people. So they added resources and money to recruit those people. They potentially put them through an onboarding process to get them to go to work there, meaning drug testing background. And now it costs them more money to fulfill your orders. We don't want that. So if it's going to cost them more money, what's that going to happen to you? It's going to translate to you. They're going to charge you a little more money in order to support you. So it's going to cost you more money. Okay. So, all right. So that's the number two thing you want to avoid. The third is it's going to underperform because once you've cried wolf and once you've made it more expensive for the supplier, the next time you place orders, they're not going to make you a priority, right? Because they're going to go, no, they say they need 50, but last time I sent them a lot of people, they turned a whole lot of people away. It was very expensive for me. I wasted a lot of time um, and I'm going to avoid that. I'm not going to make this customer a priority. I have a customer down the block who really understands order distribution properly. So those are the three points that you want to avoid to recap. Uh, you want to avoid them. Why? You want to avoid them because of, you'll build lack of loyalty. You, it'll become very expensive for you, right? And you're trying to cut costs and you'll underperform. You won't get your orders filled. So does that, that all make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So instead of getting an order and giving it out to all your suppliers, hoping, you know, the best one wins or whatever, uh, what do you recommend doing instead? Okay, so let's assume that you already have uh, a supplier base that you've identified. Let's say, so let's let's create a hypothetical. You're working with three suppliers in the geographical area. Um, you have 50 positions that you need to fill for 6 a.m. So the order distribution uh, strategy that I'm recommending is that you're taking your higher performing suppliers and you're providing them opportunities that are a little better or a little more in quantity than the lower performing suppliers. So if you're taking, let's say, 50, you're taking your top performing supplier and you're saying, I need 25 people, then you're going to the next suppliers and saying, I'm either going to divvy that up into 13 and 12, or I'm going to say 15 and 10, right? And give them the exact number that you're making them commit to so that you can measure their performance and you can hit the 50 that you're looking to fill. So you got 50, you're giving, let's say if I did the math right, 25 to (laughs) 1, Right? Yeah. 13 to the second and 12 to the third. Does that equal 20? Does that equal 50? Yeah, sure. that equals 50. Sure. <laughs> what do you mean, sure? <laughs> Bust out your calculator. That's 50, I swear. <laughs> so there's your 50, right? And so what is that going to do? It's going to build loyalty with your supplier base because you're committing to them the number that you exactly need from them to provide. So they're going to put the proper resources in place and make you a priority and commit to your orders because you're not crying wolf with them. Yeah. You're saying you need exactly 25. Yeah, and every time you're demanding that they fill the order to completion. And so they know that you're demanding that, but you also are con- are consistently giving them orders and you're never turning away their work. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right, right? And to your point, that command me, that commanding of I need these orders filled, now you're able, which is my other point in this and why the output is you can measure performance. Now you can see, I've given you 25, you committed to 25, you can see what their fill rates are. Right. Right? So now you're 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 logging. Hopefully if you're not if you're you're using a VMS system and if you're not, you can just simply put this on a spreadsheet to say, I gave supplier A 25 orders on such and such date, they filled 25, 100% fill rate. Yeah. Right? Or let's say you're uh, up until now your second best performing supplier, so you gave them 13 orders. 
let's say they start performing better, they are more consistently uh, filling the 13, then you're going to bump them up to first place and be giving them the majority of the order. That's exactly right. right. So you're, you're not only able to measure the performance of each supplier, but now you can, to your point, you can make adjustments on how many orders you're giving each supplier based on their performance. And you can track severely underperforming suppliers and potentially exit them out of your program and introduce a new supplier. And and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that because it's, it's one of our steps on how to how to do that. Yeah. But you make a very good po- point there. So one of the fears or one of the hesitations I can see coming from this would be, well, I'd rather have too many people than not get everything fulfilled yeah. and not have the order filled by 6 a.m. What would you say to that? Like, what's what happens when a supplier can't fill the whole their whole part? Yeah. So you're you're in step two. Okay. All right. So I want to mention one thing before we go to step two okay. is the the output also. So it's loyalty performance measurements is number two in that, um, and cost reduction, right? Because the supplier is now putting the proper resources in place to ensure that because you've committed to a certain number of people and you're taking them as long as they perform then they're not overspending to support you. Okay. And that should translate into a better price for you. But you, you're, you're spot on because step two is around communicating to your supplier base to have backups readily available for the fact that you're clearly telling them that you need 50, you're giving them an order for 25, you're giving two other agencies an order for 13 and 12. If someone underperforms in that environment, you're going to try to give them a call back and say, look, I was still short. You gave me the 25 that you that you promised me. Another agency was short five. Do you have five more readily available? So coach your supplier base to say, I would like for you to have a backup, backup plan, some benching of individuals, of a certain percentage. The percentage that I always like to use for each supplier is 10%, mm. right? So if you have... If you have 25, at least have two or three people ready to go from each supplier, right? Um, As long as you're working with high-performing suppliers, the 10% should work. If that 10% becomes 20, 25%, either your jobs are really, really just difficult to fill or you're working with the wrong suppliers. So step two is to, to make sure you're communicating your suppliers, please have a bench for us. So I'm going to order 25 please have another two to five available if my other suppliers are, are unable to meet their numbers. Yeah. Do you have a step three? I do. I do. Step three is re- is something that you touched upon earlier already is reward performance. So when you have suppliers that are consistently hitting their mark mm-hmm. and you are working with other suppliers that are not hitting their mark, you've got to make your adjustments Right, and start increasing the opportunities to the suppliers that are hitting their marks, but increase them slowly. Don't put them in a position potentially that they will underperform, right? Because you're giving them too much in the capacity, they don't have the capacity to fill it. So, but you need to calibrate, right? And continue to calibrate accordingly by, by providing high performing suppliers more opportunities. And you need to exit out suppliers that are underperforming consistently. So, so that that calibration doesn't swing too heavy in one direction, right? Because that could be a potential problem as well. Because if all order distribution is all, like all your eggs are going into one basket, you're a little bit at risk as a customer. Yeah. So you want to have some balance. So 
calibrate um, by measuring performance and rewarding performance, ensure that your lower performer suppliers, you're coaching them, and if they're still underperforming, you need to lean on your managed service company in order to potentially look at the, the marketplace to identify more suppliers. And if you don't have an MSP that you're working with, you've got to go out to the market and identify additional suppliers that can replace the underperforming suppliers. Yeah, so being patient with it, not just saying, oh, you messed up this time, you know, you're fired. Rather, measuring performance over a period of time of coaching from yes. yourself and communication, I think, is what we're saying is key. Yes, yeah. that is critical. You said it perfectly, Brianna. I mean, that was perfectly. You know, um, customers tend to have a very knee-jerk reaction to underperforming suppliers. There could be a number of reasons why a supplier is underperforming. It's a whole podcast in itself. Yeah. You know, it's a whole subject. But yes, you have to measure over a period of time, including the ones that are potentially doing well, right? Sometimes a supplier does very well in the beginning and their performance tails, you know, down, you know, and it trends downward because they're just not as good as what we potentially thought that they were, right? Or maybe they had a change in personnel, Right. Suppliers also have attrition problems. Yeah. So you really want to make sure that you're giving it a decent amount of time. Right. To kind of measure performance. But keeping your finger on the pulse is very important. Yeah. And so the way that we're measuring this, I'm, I'm assuming we have two types of listeners for the most part. There's the people that use an MSP and there's people that don't. So for the people that use an MSP, the best way to track this is obviously to, to be in constant communication with your MSP and to tell them what you want tracked and what you're looking for. But for those who don't have an MSP, how do you recommend tracking this? Yeah. Is there a certain system you've found that works? Yeah. So tracking performance, um, it, you know, I look at performance for suppliers in really two major buckets is fulfillment. I gave them 25 orders. Did they fill the 25 orders? And then attrition. So attrition is the people that they provided me, did they stay? Yeah. Right? Um, and then I take attrition and then we break it down into how many people stayed after the first day, how many people stayed after the first week, and how many people stayed after two weeks. Yeah. Right? Um, so that I can understand that because that gives me a whole different ratios to follow. If you're not using an MSP or a, techn- and a or a VMS in place that can measure these things, simply put it on a spreadsheet. Okay. Just take your supplier base, put it on a spreadsheet, put the amount of orders you gave them, put the date, the amount of orders you gave them, how many they filled, and then potentially at the end of the day, the following next day, how many people fell off yeah. from that supplier, and then at the end of the week, how many people fell off from that supplier, right? And you're going to know these things because you're going to know how many additional people you need, right? To, to, to do the backfill yeah, for that. Yeah. And then look at that, then look at the end of the month and get a number, yeah. right? And then looking at like that will give you an opportunity. So doing this on a spreadsheet is is totally possible. Yeah. It's completely possible. Just simplify it for yourself and put the numbers down. That's really good advice. Cool. So, so I'll recap on the three steps. So step one... Um, <laughs> What's the step one again? <laughs> step one, order distribution, right? Should be broken up into direct orders that you're giving that supply that supplier. If you need 50, it becomes, I'm going to give this order 25 here, 12 here, 13 here, and have them commit to that number. Step two, make sure you're communicating to the suppliers to have backups available. 
use a ratio for each supplier of at least 10%, maybe a little bit higher, but at least 10%, but tell them that, hey, I need backups readily to go in, in, in the case that one of my suppliers, my additional suppliers, did not provide me the personnel. Number three, write it all down and put it on a spreadsheet so that you can reward performance and reward that performance. You can calibrate accordingly by making sure that your top suppliers are getting more and better opportunities and your, your poor uh, suppliers are getting coached and potentially exit out of the organization and you're introducing new one based on that performance. I do want to mention one other item in this, I'm more of a notation in this. Okay, go for it. So there are, there are a lot of trends into crowdsourcing software. There's a lot of crowdsourcing talent acquisition companies now. Um, and they serve a purpose. So, you know, it's not like they're bad. They serve a purpose. And let me just define what that is. Yeah. So crowdsourcing software is just basically uh, technology companies that have an app that you give them an order. I need 50 people. They take that order and anyone that's a pl- that is part of their application workers that are looking for work go into that app and they see all the job opportunities and then they plug themselves into those shifts. It's such and such app, right? Let's call that it talent acquisition gig app. Then Jane Doe belongs to that app within that geography and says, oh, I see company A is looking for workers at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I can do that shift. Cool. And they just plug their name into the app. And then the customer gets notified that this person has plugged their name into the app because they're also using the app. And in theory, your order gets filled. What I want to make sure is that we're, we're being very careful of how we're using crowdsourcing software as a talent acquisition strategy on temp labor because there's, there's three major things, three major hurdles that it creates. So one is that there are a lot of no-call, no-shows in those environments. Yeah. So people are less loyal because they haven't dealt with another human being who recruited them or interviewed them or screened them properly. Yeah. So there's a lot of no-call, no-shows. And that's just a stat. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, There's a higher attrition rate. So statistically, there's a much higher attrition rate coming out of gig crowd software uh, environments than there is from a traditional staffing agency. So that they'll drop the gig after a certain period of time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So they just don't stay because they weren't properly vetted. Yeah. So there's a relationship between the vetting. Like who, who spoke with this person to explain to them what the environment was? Can they do the job? Yeah. Right? Right. And interview them properly before sending them to the job. And because there wasn't really that layer, that proper layer, um, the attrition is much higher and people just don't stay. Um, they don't stay at the same rates. Yeah. As coming from a traditional staffing agency. And the third thing is the onboarding can be very challenging at times. There's software that kind of handles some of this, but it's hard for customers to verify. Um, has this person been background checked? Have they been e-verified? Who did their I-9 if they're off-site? How did that all work? And although crowdsourcing software talks about how they solve that problem, it's difficult for a customer to verify that properly. Yeah. If you're working with a good VMS system, potentially there's an integration that can happen, right? So there are some solutions. But if you're not working in a VMS system, it's really difficult. I mean, it's really, really hard. So did the person do all of these onboarding requirements before they walk into my building because it's a requirement? Especially if you have really specific onboarding requirements. You're a healthcare company that requires this and this certification or whatever for this 
job and maybe that's not typical but that's what you do as a practice like it's it's very hard to find people that meet that through an app like this 100 percent. yeah now there's there's use for crowdsourcing apps and i'm not going to discourage people from experimenting and trying them what i would do is if you're going to use a crowdsourcing app integrate them like any other supplier in the environment slowly okay make them a filler first hey, I'm short five, give them smaller amounts of orders to see how they manage those orders and treat them no differently than you would treat your other suppliers. At the end of the day, it's a supplier base. Yeah. And you have to measure their performance as well. So their ability to fill orders and their attrition rates should be aligned with the expectations you have with the other suppliers. Yeah. So anytime you're, you're calibrating, calibrate slowly. Um, how your your ordering distribution calibration is happening. If you're going higher with one supplier and lower with another supplier, when you're introducing new suppliers, including a crowdsourcing software supplier, introduce them slowly into the environment. Yeah, and if over time they're performing better, you could give them more gigs. If over time they're performing worse, it might be uh, looking at putting them at the bottom of your supplier base or or knocking them off your uh, your process there and filling it differently. That's right. That's exactly right. My, my, my formal recommendation on crowdsourcing software, introduce them as the filler of the gaps yeah. first. Yeah. See how they perform there. Um, see if they can continue to build a pool for you and measure their performance on not only the fill rate and nutrition as well, but bring them in slowly into that equation. Um, if you do that, I think that potentially you can make an argument either way, yeah. right? That it worked or it didn't work, but you're not risking a lot by introducing them carefully into the equation. Yeah. And, uh, and do you have certain, uh, softwares, crowdsourcing softwares you, you recommend looking into that are maybe more reliable than others? I think you, you called them gig recruiting software as well, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, so I want to be careful. Like I, I thought about that. I put it in my notes. I'm like, oh man, should I recommend some companies? Yeah. But since I don't represent these companies, um, I, I want to be careful about who I recommend. What I what I would recommend is do your homework, mm-hmm. ask for references from these companies, and where you're going to the trade shows, talk to your colleagues about the suppliers that they're using and if they're using any gig software companies that they've liked and what their experience is like. Because you'll get unfiltered recommendations and, and advice from your colleagues. Yeah. Right? With me, I, I want to be careful of who I'm promoting because I'm probably not in the best position to do that. Yeah, you're just a podcaster. And you're just the lady that talks to her plants. Yeah, you know? right? <laughs> <laughs> I would not take advice from me. <laughs> I, I didn't say all that. <laughs> I think you're brilliant and uh, you are a subject matter expert. So I'm glad that we do this together. Very good. I think we pretty much covered the bases with this one. As always, you know, if you have um, topics that you would like us to cover or you have additional questions, I know and it, it seems like in every podcast we're like, oh, this could be a topic on its own. This could be a topic on its own. Totally. There's so much for us to cover. But totally. um, for now, we appreciate all of the support we've already received. We appreciate the reviews that are rolling in. And, uh, and if you have any questions, feel free to contact us directly. The official email of the podcast is JP's personal at uh, jrenard at dwsworldwide.com. It will be linked in the description. This has been another episode of 
solving temporary staffing problems. <laughs> I'm Brianna Strobel. And I'm Jean-Paul Renard. Everybody be safe. And we will talk to you guys next time.